I'm Elvie, and I'm uh, the youth pastor here. Um, yeah, woo! And uh, one person, that's my daughter. <laughs> and um, and um, so I was born in Canada, uh, right in the middle of Canada, around the lakes, but we weren't a swimming family, more of a hockey-playing family. And it's kind of hard to swim in a lake when it's like five inches of ice on it. It's not really comfortable. Uh, no, no, but there's beautiful lakes in Canada, but I didn't swim much, and... Um, then I moved out to uh, Alberta and lived in the mountains, beautiful Banff, Alberta. Who's heard of it? Yeah, kind of like the Queenstown of Canada. And met my beautiful uh, Kiwi wife there, and, and the Lord brought me back to the most amazing place, closest to the healthiest food source in the universe, Makatu Pies. And, uh, um, and I've been there for, oh, I hate to admit it, but over 10 years now, more like 30. And... and um, and, uh, and, and, but my story with the ocean, I've got this love-hate affair with the ocean. So the first time we went to the ocean, I was probably oh, sort of 18, and my dad took us on a trip from, like, southern Ontario, and we went down to Boston, and there's beautiful beaches south of Boston, and so we went to Boston. Um, and again, you know, like, I, I hadn't spent a whole lot of time in the water, and we were with a bunch of friends that came along with us, and and, and we got to this beautiful beach. There was a little wave breaking, and we all went running into the ocean. And the next thing I knew, uh, just this beautiful little one-foot wave, I was drowning. So here I am. I forgot that I didn't know how to swim. And uh, so there I was drowning, and I kind of, and, you know, and, you know, you're a young person, and you're kind of, you know, you're wondering whether you look beautiful when you take your shirt off and stuff, and there's girls on the beach. And, uh, and I tried to look cool running into the ocean, and then the next thing, I was just crawling out of the ocean, like with seaweed and sand everywhere, and just absolute, complete, didn't care what I looked like. I was just back on the sand. And then, uh, when we were in high school, at the end of high school, we take the, uh, the obligatory trip down to Florida. So it's spring break, right? You've heard of spring break. So we went and did that. And again, I'm walking along the beach one morning, and what is wrong with me? My second time at the ocean, it was beautiful, and, and it, 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 it looked shallow. And I was by, by myself. I'd just become a Christian. I was out having a morning talk to God, and I'm by myself. And I thought, ah, I'll just dive in, just go for a swim. And the next thing, I'm by myself, sun's coming up, drowning in this pond. There's no, there's no waves, but I'm drowning because there was a drop-off there. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm you know, I'm just drowning, like, because I'm built like a brick, right? So bricks don't float. And then a third time, I'm now a Christian, and a third time at the ocean, I go to visit the guy who led me to Christ, Steve Garner, and he's living in Costa Mesa, California. And I just love getting to the ocean. And he takes me to a place, Kyle, you've probably heard of this, The Wedge. So, Curtis, you've heard of The Wedge, right? The Wedge, Newport. California, and this is the gnarliest piece of ocean in the world. Well, it's pretty gnarly. It's got this massive jack-up wave, and it was about four to five foot that day, and I'm with Steve, and I'm all hyped up because he's my hero, and he's the guy that he's discipling me, and I'm spending a week with him. He goes, come on, Mash, let's go, and he runs into the water, and I'm chasing after him, and I just forgot one little detail, and, uh, and he dives in under a big shore break, and that's why I wanted you to see some of those waves. Uh, it wasn't quite that big, but I dive in under this wave. I follow Steve, and he dives into the face of it, and he, and he comes up, and of course, it's like seven, eight foot over our head, and, and it is just, a, it, it's white water. Like, it is an absolute washing machine. There's these huge waves breaking out the back, and, and again, I just remembered at that point 
that I didn't know how to swim, and I was made of brick, not floatable stuff. And, and so I'm drowning. I'm, I'm absolutely drowning, and, I'm, and, and this one was the most serious one because the, 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 uh, just as I'm kind of getting back to the sand, you guys know the feeling. You've had these experiences. I get dragged back out in the white water, and there was seaweed, and it was gnarly, and guys are going by me on surfboards and bodyboards, and this is the wedge. Look it up on YouTube. It's just the most gnarliest wave, and I was out there for a good I think it was like 15, 20 minutes. No one cares who's this white Canadian guy, you know. <laughs> It'd be good to lose one more of those guys. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and, but, and I'm crying out to God. Like, I'm just going, please, God, save me. I will never go into the ocean again. And, uh, and, and just by some fluke, I end up crawling up the beach. Again, no shame. You know, like, I didn't care what I looked like. My shorts are half off, and there's seaweed all over the place, and I'm bruised and beaten, spitting up seaweed and seashells and stuff, but I'm back on the land. And tonight, I just want to have a chat to you. Why am I telling you this, and what has this got to do with our theme? Um, so we're, we're coming to the end of this uh, series where we're talking about rhythms. Um, and uh, so we've talked about the, the, the kind of rhythms that should be going through the Christian life. And we've had some great uh, speakers. We've had some great messages. We've talked about things like baptism and we've talked about communion. Um, uh, we've talked about uh, uh, tithing and, and, and just the kind of things, the song, worship. We had an amazing night talking about worship and the kind of rhythms that should be the normal ebb and flow of the Christian life. And I have a real cool privilege of talking about one of my favorite things tonight, um, which is solitude, uh, spending time with God. Uh, it's fasting confession, but we've already talked about confession, so I'm going to park that. And with the fasting, um, which is part of my talk, but you can see that I haven't been fasting a whole lot lately. So um, I'm going to just say a few words about that. But I want to talk about solitude and prayer. And I also just want to tack onto that um, the Word of God. And just as a, a little bit of a, a trailer or a bit of a warning, uh, I'm going to leave about five minutes as we wind up and as we get into a time of worship. And I'm going to um, and I'm going to invite us, and we've got some scripture to hand out, and I'm going to invite us just to spend five minutes. I'm going to share a couple of things that I've learned. So I'm not going to do a theological talk tonight, and I'm just going to pick a few verses, but I really want to share uh, my adventure into this area of solitude. To me, it's one of the most precious things. It's one of the most, to me, it's the basic thing in the Christian life. And if we don't get this right, uh, we will never get the Christian life right. To me, it's the most important of the rhythms to me. Um, and and um, so we're talking about up for air. Um, and uh, so I did a little bit of um, research into oxygen because, you know, when you're drowning, that's the thing you're lacking is oxygen. And I love kind of doing this. I'm thinking, okay, so I want to equate solitude with God and prayer uh, as a kind of oxygen. And so um, now this, I love this kind of stuff. So we have 2,000 gallons of blood circulates through your body in 24 hours, right? So that's 9,092 or so liters. Is that cool? Um, this is the way God made us. We have 60,000 miles of blood vessels that the, that, that, that blood moves around in, which is nine, around 96,000 kilometers of blood vessels. So that's over twice in your body and mine, over twice around the earth, uh, th that's how much, how many blood vessels we have if you put them end to end. And it links every cell and organ of your body. And 
where what oxygen has to do with this is that the oxygen comes into our lungs, uh, it enters the bloodstream, it's changed from the gas to, uh, to a solution, so it dissolves in our blood, it then gets attached to hemoglobin, and that hemoglobin goes racing through uh, your body, and there's little things, that, so, so hemoglobin is a, is a molecule, and within that molecule there are these, now I don't know if I'm, if there's a doctor here, you might as well just leave right now, because you, you'll be so disgusted with this uh, biological lecture, but apparently there's heme molecules. Did I say that right? Hem, heme. All right, nobody, no, no doctors here. I can keep going. <laughs> so I know what I'm talking about. Um, and then these are the molecules that actually take the oxygen, which is now in your blood, and brings it to the areas. Somehow your body knows the areas that are deprived and lacking. Uh, so where the concentration of the oxygen is least, and, uh, and it feels every, or, uh, it feeds every organ, and um, every cell in your body. And without it, without this oxygen, your body cannot live. Without this oxygen coming in and being, uh, and being changed, uh, being attached to the hemoglobin and getting to every single cell, the furthest cell from your heart, um, every single organ, without that precious oxygen, uh, and especially to your brain, then you will not live. You will die. So we're talking about these rhythms, um, and we're, I, I'm, we're just going to open the scriptures a little bit in a minute, and we're going to talk about prayer and fasting and solitude in the Word. But I want to say this, that prayer in God's Word is to your spirit what oxygen, what oxygen is to your body. So before we open the Word, let's just, um, let's just bow our heads in prayer. So Father, we thank you so much that, that you are present in this room. And we thank you so much for everything that's gone before. Thank you for the worship and the songs. And, and Father, thank you that people come down here early. And there's a Bible study for young adults. And there's people who practice and prepare. And uh, Father, we want to do all of this just to set the stage for your presence. Because all of this is nothing without the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so we invite you now, Holy Spirit, as we talk and as we listen and as we think, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, to invade our lives again. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to uh, shake us up. And Father, pray that this will not just be another Sunday night. Pray that every single one of us will receive fresh bread, fresh revelation. Touch us and revive us. Meet us where we're at. We're all in different places. Meet our needs, Father, and, uh, and open up our hearts to what a great God you are. And give us a hunger to spend more time with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just pinch the person beside you for a minute. And just say, man, I can't believe I'm actually here. Is this a dream? Go ahead. Give them a pinch. So we're talking about um, solitude and spending time with God. And, and uh, again, I'm not going to just do, I'm not, I can't do a big theological um, overview of it. But I just want to tell a couple of stories and just share a couple of key verses that have made all the difference in my life. And I want to start with this one. And, and, and again, the theme that I have for this for tonight is up for air. And it's, 
And the picture that I had in my mind as I was preparing this is that when we are not spending time with God, when we are not committing time to him sometime in the day, and when we're not opening ourselves up to his word, uh, spending time fasting if that's what you're being led to do, um, and you're not spending time alone with God, it's kind of like you're drowning. It's kind of like your spirit is drowning. And you are like that guy who just, you saw the terror in that guy's eyes at the end of that video, and that's the terror that was in, when, in my eyes. When I didn't have enough oxygen, and I thought that I was going to die. And if we are not spending time with God, and if this is the one thing you get tonight, um, then you are starving and you are drowning your spirit. And tonight we want to talk about coming up for air. That beautiful moment when you think you're dying, when you think you're drowning, and that beautiful moment when you push to the surface and you take in that oxygen and you start living again. And that's what it's like. That's what it's been like for me when I've kind of gone into those periods and those times and those phases where I have just lost touch with God and I just haven't been spending time with him. And then when you come back and something drives you back, whether it's a crisis or whether it's just discipline, and you come back and it's just like getting a big breath of air. And this is Jesus, so this, is the, you know, this would be the one human being, uh, though he was God, who you, know, you would think wouldn't need to spend time with God because he was God. But the news about him spread all over the world so, that that, so crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed by their sicknesses, so he was busy. And just like you and I get busy, he was surrounded by people, and he had an agenda, and, uh, and he was busy, and he had to do this. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, and he prayed, Luke 5.15. So Jesus himself had to find time to, to find a lonely place and to pray. Um, and I'll, I'll just have my quick little bit about fasting. Um, um, it, which is part of prayer. So we want to talk about prayer. We want to talk about solitude with God. And just, just this little bit about fasting, because this could take a whole talk just in itself. Uh, 20 significant passages on fasting in the Old and the New Testament. Matthew 6, um, Jesus says that if you are fasting, and I, and I want to say one thing about fasting. If you are fasting, don't just do it outwardly. It's not to tell all your mates, yeah, no big. I'm, <laughs> I'm just fasting. You know, I only had five bowls of cereal this morning, not six. You know, so you don't want to be bragging about it. Acts chapter 13, um, that fasting uh, came at significant moments. So when there was a crucial moment in the life of a church or a group of people or in, or in a person's life, that then they took the extra time, they made the extra time to fast. Um, in Acts 13, when they sent out the missionaries. Uh, uh, in Esther 4, of course, we know the story of Esther when her life was on the line and the future of the Jewish people, um, the future of, of her people was on the line and she fasted and prayed and she got all of her people to fast and pray because it was a crisis. Uh, and in Luke 2.37, um, just th that's the woman who comes to the temple, if you know the story, and she's been waiting to see the Messiah, and she's been fasting and praying regularly uh, her whole life. And all I want to say about fasting, and there's, there's, it's a big topic, but I know from my own experience that uh, what, there have been times when I have been in a crisis, or there have been times when my heart has been absolutely broken for somebody that I love, and, I, and I've been praying for that person, and I just feel like, well, nothing's changing. And, uh, and so I have had 
all kinds of seasons of fasting. And now, whether that's just fasting from one meal a day or fasting from watching television or fasting like a proper fast where you're not eating and you're just drinking for a while, that's between you and God. But the one thing I'll say about fasting is, is it focuses your attention. And I know that the times that I've fasted, uh, and, and you just all of a sudden get into your regular r- routine, and I've made a decision, I've written it in my diary, that I'm going to fast for a week or whatever, I'm going to miss this. And then when you just forget, and you go, to, uh, you go to the fridge to eat that salami, onion, and peanut butter sandwich, and don't you guys do that? And, and then you say, oh, hang on, hang on. That's right, I made a commitment not to do that. Uh, and, and, and then you remember why. So it keeps you sharp. It also just kind of cleanses you. Uh, If you're doing a food fast, it just kind of clears your head. So that's all I want to say about that. But I'll add this quote from John Piper, um, great American teacher. And he says this, that the greatest enemy of hunger for God, and that's what we're talking about tonight, but the greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but it's apple pie. It's not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but it's the endless nibbling at the table of the world. It is not the X-rated video. The greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but it's apple pie. It's not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven. Sorry, I have repeated this, haven't I? But the endless nibbling at the table of the world. It's not the X-rated video, but it's the pro- it's the prime the I'm sorry, the prime time dribble of triviality that we drink in every night. Did you get that? So it's not the X-rated video, and I'm sorry for the mix-up there, uh, but it's the prime time dribble of the triviality that we drink in every night. And John Piper is, is saying that it's, this, this is what kills our relationship with God, and, and this is what waters down our fire and cools us off and causes us to starve for the presence of God, Starts, causes us to drown, to begin drowning in the materialism and the triviality of this world. It's the little things. And fasting is a great way to sharpen up and to refocus and to be disciplined. So second thing I want to talk about, um, I'll just, just another idea, is this idea of solitude. Um, and there's this verse in, in Psalm 46, and this is something which is foreign in our society today, especially uh, with young people, because it, it is extremely difficult to be alone in our world today, and that's along with the media and um, you know, the constant connection with social media and cell phones and, and all of that, Twitter and all of that stuff. It is very, very difficult and very rare to find young people, and I think this applies to most of us, who spend time alone with God. And as well with, with, with uh, the continual input of noise and the continual sound of the radio and, and, uh, you know, and, and YouTube and, and, and all of the stuff that fills our lives, the busyness of our lives, that it is, it's becoming rarer when people find a time to be quiet and find a time to listen. And Psalms 46 says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And I wonder if there's a, well, there is a connection there that in knowing who God is and knowing our God and knowing him in an intimate way, in a way that makes a difference in the way you hold your head, in a way that makes a difference uh, in the way that you think, in the way that you act, 
that you need a stillness. Lamentations 3.19, and I've got a little story about this verse um, that has to do with solitude. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is cast down within me. Now, Lamentations is a dark book. And this is the book that Jeremiah wrote just as Jerusalem was falling, and he'd been praying and prophesying, and, 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 the, and the nation fell because of its sinfulness. And Jeremiah loved God, and he loved his people, and he was absolutely broken. Probably the saddest book in the Bible. And he says, I remember my bitterness and, and the affliction, and I, I well remember them, and my soul is cast down within me. Yet this I call to mind, listen up, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I said to myself that the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now, I remember that when I first came to New Zealand, and, um, and, and, uh, and I'd been married for a few years, and I mean, how many are married here? And you know how much fun that first year is? It, it can be fun. But, uh, you know, but you have your down moments as well, and my life had completely changed, and I'd been living out in Western Canada, and I was living in a ski town that I was surrounded with my buddies, and then all of a sudden, I was over here in New Zealand, I was working on a farm of all places, um, out around Makatu. And, uh, and, and I remember that, that, you know, I'd been to Bible college, and I wasn't, really, I wasn't really plugged into a church yet. And I can remember saying, well, you know, Lord, I'm just going to start. I've got hours and hours and hours at the back of this farm, you know, doing weeds and stuff. And I said, well, Lord, I'm, I'm going to start memorizing your word. And so I've got this, I had a little dairy book, and I started writing down the scriptures that were speaking to me. And this verse just blew me away. This verse spoke to me. And, and I started memorizing it. And I would be out at the back of the farm, um, married for a couple of years, and, and kind of confused and not knowing where my life was going. And I was just memorizing this verse, and I'd had my bad moments. And I was saying this verse over and over and over and over again. And it ends with that amazing uh, passage that we have songs about, and that it's, it's, it's that his, his compassions are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And that verse used to just lift me up, and I'd be at the back of the farm trying to do my job, and I was just talking to God, and he was just refreshing me and filling me. I started preaching, you know, at the, at, at the bugs, and I was preaching at the cows, and, 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 and I was just having a great time, and, and I was meeting with God. I was alone. Uh, I, I had the solitude, and I had the scriptures and God's word, and, and that scripture there were hundreds and hundreds of, of highlights, of, of insights that came just because I was repeating that scripture over and over again, along with a few others. Now, here's a cool story. And, and that verse was so significant to me, and I, I wanted to bring in my little book and show you, you know, my little handwriting from you know, nearly 25 years ago, um, and just how significant that verse was in my life and how it strengthened me and filled me with a passion and a, and a thankfulness. And even though I'd, I was going through a hard time, and if you're going through a hard time tonight, uh, and nobody else knows, God knows. And that verse, the, you know, the bitterness and the gall, and, 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 I, and God just was meeting me and giving me hope, his compassions. They're new every morning. So the other day, I get a phone call from New York City, and my daughter's over in New York, and 
she's over there with her, with her boyfriend and this, this Kiwi band. Uh, and it's a really cool story. Um, and we've been waiting for, you know, a couple of years to hear that they're engaged. And so we got the great phone call um, just, just a couple of weeks ago. And my daughter says, Dad, you know, guess what? You know, Dan's asked me to marry him. I mean, he asked me for her hand like about two years ago. So I said, hey, boy, you know, like the, the use-by date is over on me saying, yes, you've got to ask me again. You've got to come crawling back to me and ask me again. Not really. But um, I did say that, but I didn't mean it. And uh, And... And we're just having a blast. And I'm just rejoicing. I was in my office over there getting ready for Wednesday, and I was just rejoicing. And, and man, that's cool. She's got this whole hilarious story of how we tried to propose in this really romantic way, and it just went so funny, septic, sideways. It just turned to custard on him, which is great. And, uh, and, she, um, and then I get Dan on the phone, and I love this guy. He's... Um, he, yeah, he's got this cool musical history here in New Zealand. He's such a cool, funny guy. And, uh, and he's, you know, he's, he's been a youth pastor, and um, he's followed the Lord. But, you know, like over the years, he's had his ups and downs. And he gets on the phone, and he says, Elbs, you know, like, I just want you to know, like, man, this is going to be so great. And, we, you know, we're planning the wedding and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and we've been keeping this diary. We've been writing verses down in the diary. And I says, oh, yeah, yeah. He says, yeah, like a, you know, like, we, and like God's been speaking to Bration and been speaking to me from Isaiah and Lamentations. And my ears, my ears prick up. Lamentations. There's nothing good in Lamentations, right? So I go, well, bro, it wasn't like Lamentations 325, was it? And, and like, you know, here he is in New York. Here's me in New Zealand. And there's this, he's this stunned silence. How did you know? Yeah, how did you know? Lamentations. And I started quoting it to him. And he starts bawling his eyes out because God had given him the same verse. God had given him the same verse to pray over his marriage to my daughter that God had given to me. It's a big book that God had given to me 30 years ago. And I've prayed that verse over my life, over our marriage, and over my children. And here's the, this amazing guy who's marrying my daughter. Like, it just brings tears to my eyes. His compassion's... Are new every morning, great is his faithfulness. And, and all I want to say to that is, is that came about because I was by myself, I was in solitude, and because I was, I was regurgitating the scriptures, memorizing the scriptures, and God speaks through his word. And, and God reveals himself down as deep as you can go into your spirit. And he becomes real when you spend time with God and when you spend time with his word, and then you see the results. Okay? And I just kind of want to finish up with that. Um, and this is Paul. Um, and, and, and again, this is, uh, and this goes right back 30 years when I first um, started spending time with God. And, and, um, you know, the key is, is to, to find time to be alone with God, find time to be alone with his word, and find time to, in that place, when you're alone with God, and when you're alone with his, with his word, to then put Christ on the very center of the throne. To, as you're spending time with God, to then push everything else out of the way and to to have only Christ in the room. And this is a verse which, which came to me in, in times of solitude and in times of reading the word uh, and in prayer. And this is Paul talking in the book of Philippians. But whatever was to my profit, 
in uh, Philippians 3.7, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss. Now listen to these words. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, and I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Um, and I can remember when I was just a baby Christian for, you know, this is within the first couple of years of being a Christian. And I was trying to come to, to grips with, with uh, making Christ my Lord. And, and I don't know if you could remember those days, and for some of you, this might be, um, might be very fresh. But you're living your life for yourself. You're living your life for yourself. And you've got yourself in the middle of your life. And I got up to about 20 um, in Canada with just living for Alps, you know, wondering about God, wondering whether there was a God. When I finally met God, then I found that I was praying and I was talking, I was spending time with him. But I was still in the middle of the room. And I was asking God what he could do for me. And, um, and I, 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 I'd met this girl in Bible college and just, you know, had a, uh, an infatuation for this girl. And, and, you know, I was getting to know her, and we were really good friends. And she asked me to go uh, up to northern Ontario uh, to, uh, for, to, for the summer holidays with her and her family. And I thought, wow, I was just over the moon. I, you know, I just thought she was great, and we were friends. And, um, and so we went up. For, it, it was going to be like a two-week holiday. We went to the lake, and they had a canoe. And, and uh, you know, the first night, we went for this long kind of, I thought it was a romantic walk around the lake. And uh, we were going to have this wonderful conversation. And she took that opportunity on that romantic walk to tell me uh, in no uncertain terms that she didn't like me very much. And, uh, you know, it was nice that I was there, but, uh, you know, and uh, just absolutely destroyed me. Because I was kind of thinking, well, maybe this is God's girl for me. And, uh, and, uh, and so we got back that night. I can remember staying awake all night long. I was just devastated. You know, you can remember moments like that in your life when you're devastated. And this happens to us. You know, none of us are guaranteed that this will not happen. And uh, I stayed up all night. And I remember the next morning, and I'm a, this brand new Christian, and I'm angry, and I'm humiliated, and I'm hurt. I'm going to jump on the next bus and go back to southern Ontario. And I take a long walk. I didn't sleep, so I'm kind of up at about five. And I walk all the way around this lake. And it was like about a 10-hour walk. And I thought, yeah, this is, you know, I'll make them worry about me, you know. And, I, and I'm taking this walk, and I'm just bitter, and I'm talking to God. Well, I'm including God in the conversation, but it's kind of like, why do, you, why do you do this stuff to me? And I'm a loser, and why didn't you help me? And I'm just complaining, and, and, and you know. And, and, and I was memorizing this scripture at the time. And then, I st- you know, Paul's words just started rolling up from deep inside me. And um, I was halfway around the lake. And these words were kind of rolling out of my spirit. But whatever was for my prophet, well, that was this girl. Well, I now consider her a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. And I remember going, really? I mean, she was kind of all I wanted on that day. And, and, and to consider that the highest prize that I could have wanted as a young guy, to compare to having Jesus, well, that was like losing. And then Paul goes on to say that I consider everything rubbish compared. Now, she wasn't rubbish. And, you know, whatever is attracting you tonight, 
whatever you're concerned about, whatever is dominating your thinking, it's not really rubbish. But when you're in that place of solitude with Jesus, when you're in that place of only Christ, it's like in comparison to that, in comparison to the preciousness of spending time with Christ and hearing his voice and hearing his promises and having his word, his encouragement, his hope, his challenges rolling through your spirit, everything else should be rubbish in comparison. And that won't come to you or to I in this instant world, in this busy, noisy world. That will never come. And I can remember that morning, even though it was like 25 or 30 years, no, it was more than that, way more than that. I can remember halfway around that lake saying, okay, God, I'm not really feeling it. This isn't a reality in my life right now, but I want it to be. I want it to be. And I could just feel God's love saying, I'll be beautiful. That's all I want, just be honest. And aim for that, and I'm with you. And I had so much joy in kind of one of the lowest periods, one of the lowest moments of my young Christian life. I had so much joy because I knew that I had the source. I had the treasure chest. And what I had lost was nothing in comparison. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? What we're going to do is I'm going to ask the band to come up. Um, and, and we're just going to spend maybe five minutes in it. We've got a couple of folks who are going to come along with a basket. And we've got some scriptures there. Uh, and we're just going to pass the baskets and just pull out one scripture. And we're just going to ask you, um, rather than just kind of hear me talk about it, and this is kind of lame, this is just like a five-minute little experiment, but I would love us, you know, just as the band just kind of quietly plays and gets ready for us to worship, I'd love you to grab a scripture and just kind of move away, if you can, from anybody, find a little quiet corner or just, you know, spend time with God and let that scripture speak to you. And just push everything else out of the way, the things you're concerned about, the finances, you know, the marriage, the children, uh, whatever you're concerned about, try to push that away. And try to just let Christ be in the middle of your attention. Let the word of God speak to you and just see what God says to you. Is that cool? Okay. So if those guys want to just grab the baskets and uh, just pass them along, and we'll spend five or seven minutes with God. Let's do that.